Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and today you're going to hear episode number 73 of our podcast. I'm excited for you to hear from Coach Adam Harvey. Coach Harvey's currently the co-defensive coordinator at Cibolo Steel High School in the San Antonio area. He's married. They have two kids. But more than that, just an incredible man of God, incredible man of high character with a passion for the gospel. You're going to hear a lot about that and throughout this entire conversation of almost every answer he gives, he points back to the gospel and, and what that means. So I cannot wait for you to hear from, from Coach Harvey. So let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Adam. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Stuart. You bet. I always like to start these off with some background info for listeners who don't know who you are. So if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew, you grew up, your family growing up, and a little about your family today. Absolutely. So I, I grew up out in the, in the South Plains, uh, the panhandle of Texas, and uh, about 30 miles west of Lubbock. Most people have never heard of Littlefield, Texas, but that's my hometown. And, uh, you know, a bunch of cotton, a bunch of uh, churches, and, and uh, a bunch of uh, just good old people. Um, graduated from high school in 1997, and as good as West Texas was, I was looking to get out, to be completely honest with you. I uh, started my freshman year out there in a small NAIA school, Wayland Baptist uh, University, and went there for a year and then uh just some things uh kind of changed the course of of where i was going from there and uh i'll probably share a little bit more about that later in in the uh, podcast but um west texas is is uh is where i grew up uh but home now is south texas and i live in new Braunfels. so we've been in the san antonio area since 2005 um my wife and i and then and my two boys were both born down here and so um yeah, just uh, I'm a I'm a true Texan, but I have lived outside of Texas uh, several times throughout throughout my life and throughout my journey. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little about your faith journey. Did you grow up uh, in a family of faith, and at what point did you decide that you needed a personal relationship with Jesus? Sure, I, I did. Uh, so <clears throat> my uh, my mother was adopted by a Southern Baptist minister. He was a he was a fantastic man, and um, so you know just through through that uh, situation, we we were always in church, um, Southern Baptist, go figure. However, uh, <clears throat> we kind of went casually, I guess, more than than we went. Uh, I guess not to use the term too loosely, but religiously, uh, mm-hmm. we you know we were there. I was part of RAs, and and remember that well. I remember you know, being in the youth group when it was time, uh, that time came. Um, but it still wasn't, wasn't just at the top of the priority list, so to speak. Uh, I always remember my mom praying, you know, when she wrote us handwritten letters, she would write scriptures and and that type of thing. Mm. Um, so it was always important, uh, as, as obviously she grew up in that. Uh, but yeah, so, so we, I, I would consider myself growing up in the church for sure. Absolutely. Then at what point did you, you know, decide you needed that personal relationship? So I, I remember the day, man. I, it was uh, April 28th of 1991 uh, when, when I decided, you know, to truly follow Jesus um, was probably later in life. But I do remember the day where, where I realized, you know, hey, this is a real deal. And, and I need to, uh, you know, obviously confess that I'm a sinner and then, uh, and accept him, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, going forward, I, you know, 
that was in the sixth grade, uh, 1991. And um, so going forward, I, I'd always had a relationship. Like I said, went through youth group, had some fantastic, you know, leaders through through that, and uh, and always was around it. Uh, and then probably my senior, I guess the summer prior to my senior year was when I really got serious and, and began, you know, the, the true relationship with the mm-hmm. Lord. Um, and then that changed. Gosh, I can't tell you how many times that changed throughout. As I alluded to earlier, uh, after my freshman year of college at Wayland Baptist, uh, one of my best friends from high school ended up uh, going off uh, on missions. And uh, he went to um, <clears throat> Youth with a Mission, which was out in Tyler, Texas. And he trained out there and then took a trip to Haiti, uh, came back completely changed. And uh, he, he told me a little bit about YOM. And so I, I went to Youth with a Mission for a year, took a year mm. off from college. And uh, I tell you, that that was probably uh, <clears throat> just just groundbreaking change for me, uh, the paradigm shift, if you will. And so I, I, uh, I'd never been out of Texas other than New Mexico. And I found myself all throughout the Midwest traveling to Michigan. And then from from Detroit, we flew over to London, spent a couple of days there. Uh, on our way to the nation of Albania right after the Kosovo war in the late 90s. Oh, wow. When, I don't, yeah, some people don't even remember that war. But, uh, you know, it was it was people claiming to be Christians that were driving these others out of their homes. And uh, <clears throat> so the French army had set up you know, quite a few camps there, refugee camps. And we went in and worked with them. And it was just, I, I, I can't even put it into words how important that was in my relationship with the Lord, just to really see what it's like, you know, in the third poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, actually the third poorest in the world, the poorest in the Western Hemisphere at the time. And uh, that was that was when I really re- realized who Jesus was and not, you know, what I'd made him to be. Um, you know, living in the Bible Belt, I, years later, man, I and I don't know how accurate this is. I'm still, you know, we walk out our faith, as you well know, Stuart. But I uh, I got to the point where I felt like, I had made an idol out of Jesus out in West Texas mm. and, uh, you know, had this relationship. Uh, I guess he, he kind of told me all these things that I wanted to hear if I, if I were to boil it down to the bottom line and, and then going into an atmosphere like Albania and seeing how much of a need that Jesus really is in places like that was unbelievably eye opening for me. And so, you know, it wasn't disciple now in fifth quarters anymore. This is the real deal uh, when you're out there on the front lines. And so just my whole desire and my need uh, for him was a different perspective, so to speak. And then I did the second portion, which was the School of Evangelism, also with Youth with a Mission, and then ended up in uh, in Jao Pessoa, Brazil, uh, for another two months, a two-month trip there, and uh, just another – unbelievable trip for me and my faith and my walk. And then, uh, actually came back to Texas and, and went back to college after that year. So, um, just again, like I said earlier, really, really important for me and my relationship was, was that year from between 1999 and 2000. You know, I'm sitting here as you talk about that. I grew up in a small town, Alabama, and you know, you take for granted, just the whole concept of going to church and what it means to be a Christian. Cause I think, you know, what you said about making Jesus an idol, I, that's true in my life too. And it wasn't until I left the Bible belt, 
Um, I went, I was 18, 19, went out to the, out in Idaho. Um, I, I was uh, in, in the Air Force and that's when it was pretty eye opening for me as well, kind of getting away from a culture where everybody just goes to church. I mean, you get out sure. into the Midwest, it's totally, it's totally different. Um, it's people that are committed go and then everybody else doesn't. And it, it was foreign to me when people didn't go to church. I mean, what do you mean? You know, it's Sunday. I mean, that's when it right. kind of became kind of the same thing. So that's awesome. So where did you come back to school after that? Went to Texas Tech. Uh, so, yeah, entered Texas Tech uh, the fall of 2000 and uh, stayed there for, for a couple of years. Met my, my wife. And uh, so that was that was all part of the of the of the role in the in the plan. And it was uh, yeah, it was a really good time getting back to West Texas. And it was there I, I served in youth ministry uh, while in college. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, just trying to still figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, but athletics was always a big part of, of my life. So coaching was definitely in the, in the mix. Yeah. So at what point did you decide, um, you just mentioned you started in youth ministry, trying to figure out, you know, career path. So at what point did you decide to pursue that, the, the coaching career, and then, you know, kind of talk a little bit about that initial journey into coaching? Sure. So, uh, so we married in 2002 and, um, you know, again, kind of being ruined for, for the ordinary, so to speak. Um, I, I was just, uh, I was lost out in West Texas. Um, I think the easy term, and and this isn't it at all. I think a lot of people that have been in ministry call it burnout and it it wasn't Mm. that it was just, you know, I felt like there was so much more out there, you know, kind of like what you were saying with getting to Idaho and then just seeing a whole brand new just realm of, of the way that life really is. And so mm-hmm. we sought, we sought some, um, some different organizations to be a part of my wife and I did and, and decided to move to Indiana actually. And so we moved up there in 2003 after a year of marriage and, um, <clears throat> and served uh, some at-risk teens uh, that were either court ordered or parents, sent them to this facility uh, out in Indiana. It was kind of a neat deal because talking answer your question, um, I also got a chance to coach basketball at this facility. So it was a, oh, wow. it was a, yeah, it was a day school, a boarding school, and then kind of a, I wouldn't call it a rehab center, but just a, a correctional facility type deal. And so <clears throat> coach basketball out there, uh, we stayed there until 2005 and then, uh, did miss Texas <laughs> a little bit, but but we moved down to San Antonio from there. And so in San Antonio, uh, from 2005 to 2007, I actually volunteered as a youth pastor while I was coaching um, at a private school. So uh, and then in 2007, I decided just to do the full-time gig uh, with coaching. And, and uh, I say volunteered. They, they gave us a house, and so that was kind of our compensation, um, which was nice. Uh, so anyway, in 2007, I went full-time coaching and then I've been doing that since. So, uh, what's your, tell us a little about your current, uh, position. And then also, um, for those outside of Texas, uh, that don't maybe have the full concept of high school football here, you know, talk <laughs> about the pressures that may come, come with that. Sure. Uh, so I'm, I'm currently, uh, the defensive backs, and uh, co-special teams coordinator at uh, Cibolo Steel uh, down in the San Antonio area. We, uh, our school was open in 2005, so it's a fairly new school. 
however, we've already played in three state championships and won one of them in 2010 before my time. Um, <clears throat> I coached in one in 2016, which was a neat experience. Uh, so, yeah, I, I tell you, man, um, the pressure <laughs> is, <laughs> is only, you know, it's only what you make of it, I, I'll be honest. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's, it's the real deal. And, uh, you know, you got to win. And, and I want to win. I'm as competitive as they come. Uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's just uh, – it's a neat opportunity to be able to coach the talent. Um, and, and, and I was on a podcast uh, recently with Run the Power, and, and they asked, you know, just about Texas high school football. And the easiest way for me to describe it, and I really see it more now uh, as I've gotten older and then reflecting, but I, but I saw it back then too when I was living in Indiana um, that – you know, football is just a way of life down here, and people really, truly love it. You know, I mentioned fifth quarters earlier, and uh, I, I'm sure they do that in other states. But you know, that's that's one thing that our church youth minister uh, went out and and was at the football game, collecting kids and saying, "Hey, come to the church for our fifth quarter." And, and what that was was just an opportunity to, you know, to get to get people from football uh, into the church, and and it worked. And I remember. Uh, you know, being a basketball player and, and, and us running our discipleship now weekends. Well, part of that discipleship now weekend on Friday night, as ever, you know, the speakers and the, the small group leaders were coming into town, they would go to our basketball game, watch mm. the basketball game, and then we would disperse from there. It was just part of the schedule. And so uh, football was a lot of the same way. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's just a, it's a great opportunity, not only to, to, to you know, be with young men, uh, but to, to be in a competitive environment, I love it, you know, and so yeah. that's that's why I, I don't think I'd coach anywhere but Texas as far as football goes. No offense to anybody else. <laughs> no, I get it. Yeah, we're getting uh, our oldest is uh, finishing his freshman year and actually starts spring football tomorrow. So we're kind of as parents getting introduced to um, how big it is. We've known it. You know, we you know, we live in a one high school town. We've been going to games for 10, 12 years and you know, really involved, but now being on the parent side of a young high schooler, it's, uh, you get a little bit different taste to it. And Absolutely, it, man. It's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Fun. So, um, uh, you also host a weekly chat, right? Um, I do. on defensive back technique. So, um, talk a little bit about that. And then if there's, if there's a coach or a student athlete listening, how can they find it? Yeah, so uh, started this thing just this past February. Uh, it's called No Fly Zone Chat. Uh, you can just search that on Twitter, and, and you'll mm -hmm. find uh, you'll find it. Um, yeah, it was a, it was kind of spurred on by other chats. I'm I'm definitely not the pioneer of it. Um, you know, chats like the Texas High School Football Chat, the Hog Football Chat for offensive linemen. Uh, there's a teams talk for special teams. So it's kind of a neat thing that uh, some coaches had started doing about. I don't know, six, seven years ago, and, and it's really taken off. Um, the guy or the two guys that, that I would probably attribute uh, my idea to would be Chris Fisher, who does the Texas high school football chat. He's the offensive line coach at, at Ridgepoint um, Fort Bend. And then uh, uh, the other guy, Tony Schiffman, who's in Iowa, he does the hog football chat. And, uh, or excuse me, he's now in Illinois. I'm sorry. But um, those two guys were, were, were really instrumental uh, in helping me get that thing going and started. And then I teamed up with a trainer out of Dallas area uh, yeah. named Christian White. And uh, he goes by Coach Flight. That's probably what you see him as there on Twitter. And so, yeah, Christian, uh, when I talked to him and reached out to him, 
you know, there's kind of a, there's a, there's a separation and a discontentment, I guess, between trainers and coaches. And so uh, I just kind of wanted to reconcile that, to be honest with you. Um, There's some of them out there that are kind of out to get us and, you know, with, with basketball and baseball and the whole club scene, you know, we feel threatened by that a lot of times. And now seven mm-hmm. on seven is important and popular as it's gotten. It's kind of been one of those things where we're kind of, you know, at times a little bit discontented with it. At the same time, I wanted to make sure that we're willing to work with others. And, and Christian has been great. He's done a great job training the kids that, uh, that I've been able to coach. Um, and so I just want to reach out to him say, hey, come alongside with me and let's do this. And it's been neat. So, yeah, it's uh, Tuesday nights at uh, 8.30 Central Time, uh, which is a little bit later. Um, but that was just kind of a b- the best time for me, to be honest with you. And we've had really, really good uh, uh, success with it and had a good turnout so far. That's awesome. I, I think that's, um, that's interesting you say that, um, the way you describe the relationship with trainers. I was talking to a trainer just this past week about that. You know, from the parents' perspective, going, okay, a lot of my son's friends – um, they're out there, you know, they're doing the school run strength and conditioning, but they're out there, you know, investing in a lot of other one-on-one training. And what's, what what's the balance, you know? And so we went into this long dialogue about how to balance that and what's, you know, and then that whole concept of there is that, not only fear is probably not the right word, but you see with the seven on seven leagues, especially, is it becoming like club soccer, club basketball, club baseball, and, you know, and trying to protect the brand of high school football. And it's just an interesting conversation and hearing it from his perspective, you know, and I've heard it a lot from the coach's perspective and um, it's, uh, and I, and I have no, no doubt that there are some trainers out there that are, have the selfish, selfish, you know, but, it is refreshing to come across more and more that really do want to, like you said, reconcile that relationship and work together. Yeah. I think if we keep the kids at the, you know, at the forefront of what we do and why we do it, uh, yep, it is what it is. It takes a village, you know, and that's right. It's the same thing. It's the same thing with us and parents, you know, coaches and parents can always have that riffraff and uh, <laughs> it, it happens, you know, and sometimes it's unavoidable because, Obviously, you you as a parent, as you mentioned earlier, you know you guys want what's best for your kid for obvious reasons. Um, but we do too, and and I think we as coaches really need to focus in on that relationship. You know, and mm. it is it's all about relationships. You know, and um, again, being being a believer and knowing that that my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in life, then I've got to be able to know that that the relationship with the kids and relationship with the parents, relationship with the trainers and whoever else, you know, maybe getting that kid to where he wants to be and his aspirations and goals. We've got to all do it together. So That's right. So is there an athlete or two that you've coached that just from, just from a pure athletic standpoint that stands out to you? Oh man, that's a tough one, but yeah, absolutely. I, I, uh, I would say so, you know, so, so the last three years, uh, I've had the privilege of coaching eight kids that have gone to FBS schools, um, and just in the secondary alone. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, schools like Baylor, Oklahoma State, uh, Texas, uh, one that's committed to A&M right now, and um, SMU. And so, you know, to answer your question, the two, you know, athletically uh, that, that jump jump out to me, uh, number one would be Caden Stearns. He just finished his freshman year at, at University of Texas, was freshman All-American in safety uh, had four interceptions, was leading the country at one point, um, and then people started throwing to him, uh, got smart. <laughs> so, 
uh, that young man is unbelievable. Just his athleticism, his drive, his his desire to be the best was a lot of fun uh, when he was in high school, and still to this day we we stay in touch, and and it's just neat to to you know talk talk chop with him and and uh, <clears throat> just watch him grow as a young man. Um, you know, the other one is a little bit off the hoof, to be honest with you. Um, and, and that would be a kid named Chase Cromarty, who is going to be playing at uh, Southern Methodist next year. And uh, Chase was, you know, kind of undersized and uh, didn't get a whole lot of looks. Uh, but one of the best tacklers I've ever seen at any position. Mm. Uh, he led our team in tackles this past year as a safety, which isn't always a good thing. And, and most coaches will, will cringe when you say that your you're, you're leading tackler is safety. Uh, but it's a, a lot of it was just his aggression and his ability to read things and and react. Um, that young man's a player. He's just a ball player, you know. And so mm-hmm. um, had guys that hadn't even you know gone on to play college that, that also uh, jumped out you know jumped out at me. And and one of them actually just graduated number one in his in his class at at basic. Uh, Mark Frankhauser graduated number one at 171 uh, cadets. Wow. So it's pretty impressive. And that young man was a ball player too. So a lot of fun coaching those guys for sure. Um, you know, the FBS kids are kind of go without saying, but yeah, had some good players. Had some really good players. What about um is there an athlete that not from an athletic standpoint now, but to kind of put on the the coaching as a ministry hat that you've seen God use you in their life? Oh man. Yeah, I, I would say quite a few of them. Uh, that's a really neat deal. And being in a in the public setting, you know, and, and then also being in the private for eight years. I was in the private school for eight years, and it, it wasn't necessarily a, a a Christian school, so to speak. Uh, but, you know, we we did have a lot of emphasis, and we had chapel every day where Bible, you know, verses were read. Um, but I would think, you know, as far as, as just building that relationship, um, you know, being vulnerable with kids is one of the things that I find really, really important. And it's really difficult too. Um, you know, I think a lot of people probably would disagree with me on, on some of the way that, that I, that I view on that. And, and the reason that I find myself just wanting to be extremely vulnerable <clears throat> is, you know, in, in my walk, in my relationship, kind of going back to what I was going, going through earlier in, in my story, you know, Christ was always sufficient for me in West Texas, you know, but I mean, shoot, there's a church on every corner, you know, and it is what it is. And and then as I kind of got out and, and really began that relationship and realized, you know, how much like David I was. And, you know, just the church this morning, we talked about, you know, Zacchaeus and, you know, <clears throat> how I was judgmental and on time, kind of going back to that whole idolatry thing. You know, the Jesus that I thought I knew wasn't the Jesus that really is, mm. you know, and uh and I tell you, man, and I still struggle. I, I, I screw up daily, man. And so if I'm vulnerable with kids, then that's that's me preaching the gospel, you know. And one of the things that, that was very, very real to me uh, while I was away, so to speak, and while I was studying for that year was that the gospel was always, you know, from that 1991 date, April of 1991 through about 1999, the gospel was always for them, so to speak. It was always for the lost. It was always for the unbelieving. But man, I tell you, it's for me. It's for the believer. You know, it's amen. And and if I if I look to, as Tony Campolo puts it, if I look to neuter the gospel, then I'm really missing out on 
who Jesus was and why he had to come and die for me, you know, even as a someone that's, that's accepting him. You know, I think about First John 1.10, and, and, you know, if I say that I'm without sin, you know, the bottom line is, is I'm calling God a liar. Holy cow, man. That's scary, you know. So to answer your question, that's a really long answer just to say that I would hope that I would show kids that, number one, I'm in need of a big God because I have a lot of sin in my life. And mm. through that, uh, there was a particular instance in 2016 where I was really going through a hard time making some really bad decisions, to be honest with you, as a grown man. And uh, there were two kids that I called into the office that were my leaders that year. And, uh, and I felt like I just needed to confess to them, you know, how important it is, number one, to stay on track, but number two, to know that God loves us despite our mishaps and despite who we are and, and who we think we need to be. And so um, I tell you, those two young men or two that I, that I still to this day uh, have a ton of, of respect for because they just gave me a hug. Just listen to me like any good friend would. But then also we, you know, I've seen them grow and, and, and I know that they love, you know, they love God too. And, and they know that God loves them. And, and it, that kind of leads me to my favorite verse. You know, I think about, you know, what life is really about. And I have to go to Hebrews 12, uh, the first and second verses of that chapter. And, you know, when we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses and some of those witnesses are looking to get us, um, you know, we've got to run the race that's set before us and, you know, let go of the, of the sin that easily entangles us in this world. And then, you know, just setting our eyes on Jesus, who, who was the author and the perfecter of our faith and, you know, found joy to go and endure the cross. And uh, man, that's that's it. You know, that's that's who I am. And, and that's what I want every kid to see um, the good, the bad and the ugly, because truth is, Jesus saves all of that. And, he, and I need him in every aspect of my life. So that's right. So let me ask you, I mean, this kind of goes into um, being vulnerable with kids in a way um, because the demands of your career are high, but you're also a husband and a dad. So how do you balance being a coach um, at a successful program like that, but also keeping, you know, family as a priority? Sure. Million dollar question. <laughs> but I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I use a little phrase when people ask me that. I get asked that quite a bit. And my phrase is, you know, the quantity is, is an issue, um, but it's always got to be quality. So quality will always overtake quantity. And so with that said, you know, I'm not going to sit up in the office just to be there if I don't have any work to do. Uh, with that said, I'm going to leave all my work there if I can. I mean, there are occasions where I've got to watch film at home or I've got to tie some loose ends and, and that type of thing. And my wife is great with understanding that my kids are too. In fact, um, I got two of the op most opposite kids you'll find, which is awesome. Uh, my oldest, in fact, we're, we're sitting here on the clock waiting to see uh, what part he's going to get in Peter Pan. Uh, he's just auditioned for on Friday night and uh, just got finished with uh, Tarzan. So he's big, a mutual musical theater, uh, theater, which is really neat. And then my youngest is, almost a spitting image of me. So he'll sit and watch film with me if I do have to bring it home. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. But I tell you, when I'm here, I want to be dad and I want to be husband. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, when I'm there, I want to be coach, you know. And so they, they've done a great job with kind of allowing that. And again, it's, you know, the quantitative uh, aspect is, is it can really be frustrating if that's all you focus on. 
Um, but w- w- when the rubber meets the road, you know, I'm able to be here enough. And, you know, in the mornings I, I wake boys up, I get them dressed, I make them breakfast. And then, you know, I, uh, <clears throat> really try to help with the laundry, help with the dishes when I can, and then, uh, do, do my other duties on top of that. So just making sure that again, when I'm here, I'm here. And, uh, and then they, them understanding too, when I'm there, I'm there. You know, they've done a great job with that. So. Yeah. That's a good reminder. I mean, I'm, uh, just for anybody, um, career wise is when you're at work, be at work, when you're at home, be at home. And Absolutely. I went through a few years. Um, it's been, it's been a while, but, um, I went through a few years of, of career where I, I was probably physically in the house, but I wasn't here, mm. you know, because I kept bringing work home and it was, I look back and it was some bad, bad times at home. And I was so oblivious to it because I was, I wasn't here. So that's, I always need that reminder. That's good. Sure. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question about the role of sports and culture. It's no secret that culture is divided. Um, you don't have to go far to see that. But sports is one of the very few ways that uh, you know you can look in the United States or even around the world that can that that it can bring people together. It can tear down racial, uh, socioeconomic barriers, political, religious. How have you seen that um, in your career of you know where there are those barriers but you know when people are together those those things are torn down yeah man wow i don't know of a better avenue other than sports i really don't and to be honest with you Stuart, that's that's a big reason why i love it uh and the Mm. reason why i do what i do you know i growing up um you know we going back to west texas man i mean as as many churches were you know, on every block and, and as we quote unquote love Jesus the way we did and being in the Bible belt. Um, and I'm not making this up, man. I remember a young man, an African-American young man being baptized in a predominantly white church. And there were people that got up and walked out mm. um, just, you know, crazy, but it was really cool. Uh, two things. Number one, that, <laughs> that our, our staff on, on, on that particular church staff, continued to fight the good fight but number two um we saw really cool things happen in the church but it all permeated back to athletics as i said whether it was basketball games that you know was part of our discipleship weekend uh, agenda uh the fifth quarter where i mean there was a section of of you know church kids if you will and i don't really like to use that term but of kids that were going to be at the fifth quarter that were with the youth pastor and you know, and just how ingrained that was. And, you know, and then, and then away from it. Um, yeah, man, the, the whole, the whole combination of, of culture and, and, uh, you know, whether we're, whatever we're seeing, I think it's important to, at the end of the day, to find that common ground. And, and again, as I said, I don't know of any of a better avenue than athletics. I, uh, I just, I, I love it for that reason. Um, you know, I, I, I have a tattoo that says love alone is worth the fight. And, uh, mm. that, you know, that right there in the world of athletics, um, and I got this tattoo because of my marriage, you know, if I'm going to, I'm going to really love my wife, I'm going to fight for, for everything that, that, uh, that we have and that we want and that we, that we need, but I can also use that in, in so many different ways. And, you know, if we really want to love each other, we're going to fight the good fight and, uh, and athletics just, man, talk about, you said it, it breaks down those barriers you know, uh, we can find ways to, 
to intermingle and, and, and make sure that we're doing the right thing and fighting the good fight. And, uh, and I've seen that time and time again, it's a pretty, pretty cool thing to watch. That's good. That's good. So next question, um, I'm going to ask you to offer some advice. We have a lot of listeners that are student athletes or coaches like yourself. And, um, at least in the public school setting is not always easy. Not everybody's in an environment where they can live out their faith, um, boldly. Um, so what advice or encouragement would you, would you offer that athlete or coach that um, knows athletics as the platform that can, can be used for that? So how would you encourage them to be bold in their faith? That's a great question. And, and I think man, I'm going to kind of go off the beaten path here for a second, if that's all right. I, yeah, absolutely. I consider myself status quo by any stretch of imagination. So um yeah, I've thought a lot about that whole boldness thing. Um, what is bold? You know, what is being bold? And it could look different to different people. Mm-hmm. I think for me, and I'm going to go back to the vulnerability part, you know, what is the gospel? And, and who is Jesus to you and to me, um, to listeners? That's the first question that we have to ask. And so, you know, if it is Christ and Christ crucified, which is what I believe, you know, and you can get into the whole you know, theological arguments about the Trinity and all that, which I'm a believer in the Trinity. But if, if I truly believe that Christ and Christ crucified is the gospel and I need that in my life and I needed his body broken and I needed his blood as we take communion, then I'm just going to be me. And that's what boldness mm-hmm. is, you know. And so the hardest part and, and this guy's somewhat controversial in, in the world of Christianity, but Derek Webb. Uh, formerly of Caveman's Call, and and now he's kind of spun off onto his own. I love music. Music is one of my favorite things. And so Derek Webb wrote a song called The Wedding Dress, and uh, it was very controversial. But in the in the prelude, one of, I don't know, it was a house show that he was doing, and he actually recorded a live album in this house show. In the prelude, he talks about something that I find very, very uh interesting and 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 again going back to the gospel being for me not just for unbelievers but that whole boldness part the hardest thing the most difficult thing we as a church particularly in america and i don't want to get on a soapbox here but (laughs) again when i went to albania and then when i went to brazil it really hit me in in the face and i was convicted by this but we we as a church in america have a really really hard time saying we're sinners you know, just coming out and saying, man, I messed up again. You know, I screwed that up. I, I'm in need of somebody and somebody bigger than me to come and, and clean house, so to speak. But isn't that the gospel? You know, and what are we missing? You know, and so the boldness to answer your question, I feel like it, it, it probably doesn't need to be so much. Hey, you need Jesus. And I have Jesus and Jesus this and Jesus that more than. I need Jesus because I'm a mess up, you know. And that's good. Back, that's good. Going back to that. Yes, sir. Going back to that first John, man, you know, John, James, Peter, you name it, you know, going back to the Old Testament, Moses and Abraham. And, you know, look who God used, you know, David being one of my favorites in, in the Bible. You know, look what David did. And yet God still found a way because he's God, you know, and I mean, I, I even referenced Zacchaeus earlier, and we talked about him in church today. You know, Zacchaeus, we all know the song. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. But the coolest thing about what, what our pastor pointed out today was 
Zacchaeus climbed up in the tree to find Jesus, but who found Zacchaeus? You know, it was Jesus that said, hey, you know, I'm going to go to your house and we're going to have some, we're going to have a meal. And then Zacchaeus was, I mean, that's salvation, you know? And so he was bold enough to be the little guy. And it was probably one of those deals where the religious leaders were blocking him from seeing Jesus rather than him just being short. But he was bold enough to go and climb up a tree. It didn't take any miraculous thing to be a, you know, a great Christian man. Uh, you know, that term, I don't want to be a great Christian man if, 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 if a Christian is just beating people up with the gospel. You know, what I want to be is a lost sinner who needs Jesus more than I've ever needed him before. That's being bold. It's saying, I'm a mess up, and this is why I need Jesus. And so I, I know that's off the beaten path, but I would encourage people just to show their flaws more than feel like they have it all together. Because I feel like that's where we've messed up as a, as a church in America is that we have tried to put everything together and we're missing the point. We're missing the gospel. And the gospel is, is that we're mess ups and we need him to come and to set us free. Man, that's good. That's very, I like that because you're right. We live in a society. I know in our little bubble we live in in North Dallas, it is you know, everybody's afraid to to show even a glimpse of a crack in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, we always have to look like we have it all together. And I think in that, that is a danger. Um, I mean, you, you, we could, yeah, that could be a whole nother episode and conversation. <laughs> so we won't go down that road, but I, I like that. That's, I, I think you're, I think you're dead on there. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, that we all need to be, to be more real and, and just be who we are. Sure. And, uh, you know, I can act like I have it all together all day long, but I am about as messed up as anybody. So if I can just be real, then I, I think that it is attractive to people. I agree. Man, <laughs> that's, that's really good. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop right here, but I do want to <laughs> share this because it's because it's something that's also been real to me. You know, C.S. Lewis, I'm a huge fan of. And I think about the Chronicles of Narnia and when the. You know, they get back in the, the language wardrobe. They get back into the, the world of Narnia and, and they're looking for Aslan because everybody's telling them how great Aslan is, you know, and they're scared. I mean, they run into some, some weird looking creatures, you know, and then they see the talking beavers and they're like, hey, where's this, where's this Aslan at? Like, we need to be, we need to feel like somebody's going to take care of us. And, and we hear he's, you know, he's safe and all this. And so the line that I remember is, you know, the beaver, so Mr. Beaver, I think it was saying, Hey, look, he is not safe, but he's good, you know? And so, again, we don't need to be safe all the time. You know, again, growing up in the church, it was just always like, oh, I've got to, you know, true love waits. I can't have sex. And that's, that's all good. That, there's some very good principles that we've taught. But I'm, I, I made an idol out of this guy that I called Jesus, and it wasn't even the, the real deal. You know, I mean, I'd missed out on so much of who Jesus was and so much more of what I could have learned, you know, because I was just status quo and, and being safe, so to speak. Um, but if we realize how good he is, we're going to know that, like you said, I'm as messed up as they come. And, and he comes and cleanses that, cleanses me of all unrighteousness, you know, as the word says. And that's, that's what I want, man. And that's, to me, that's boldness. That's, that's the boldness that we need as a church, just to say we are so messed up that we need Christ and Christ crucified. That's the gospel. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So last question, um, two words 
um, all in, and that's all over the sports world. Um, you don't have to, I mean, T-shirts, wristbands, chin straps, have all in. It's a rally cry. And we took that um, in the when we created All In Sports Outreach, we took those first two words from uh, Colossians 3.17, kind of paraphrasing Paul, but uh, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with the concept that, it, you know, it's very clear. It doesn't matter what we do, which, whether we're um, at home, at work, at school, sports, what we're saying, what we're thinking, it needs to needs to honor Christ. And then, you know, Jesus very clearly, you know, says when you deny ourselves, so he wants us to be all in. So what does that look like for you, Adam, in your daily walk with Christ to be all in in your walk? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's really good. I think that's a challenge for all of us. And, and mm-hmm. the way I see that, again, is is just accepting what all is, you know, and accepting who I am and my need for him. You know, if he truly is sufficient, if, if Christ truly will meet all my needs, then I need to live like that. And, uh, and again, it doesn't mean I have to have it all together. It doesn't mean I have to be perfect. It doesn't mean I have to put on this face and this show. And, and uh, you know, all that means is, is that I need to make sure that Christ and Christ crucified is what I'm living, you know? And so, um, you know, being a good husband, being a good father, you know, as the word talks about the fruits, I think those are just things that are going to naturally happen because you have that relationship and you are all in, so to speak. Um, you know, I think you can go several different ways with that, but I think at the end of the day, it's just making sure you know who you are and you know why you need Christ. And when you do that, you're going to realize I need to be all in. <laughs> I need all of him. You know, it's not, it's not just one of those things where I'm going to take here and I'm going to take this and I'm going to take that and make it my own. But it's, it's really, truly making sure that the, that the gospel is, is permeating who I am and I'm living that out, you know, for everyone to see. That's good. Hey, I appreciate it. I know it's a busy time with, I know it may be football all season, but spring ball starting track is full, full speed. So um, I appreciate you you know, to taking some time to share your story and uh, encourage us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Stuart. Appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, the all-in thing is, a, is, is definitely a need, and I appreciate that. So thank you for, for your obedience in that. You bet. Wow, we covered a lot in that episode with, with Coach Harvey. I hope you were encouraged um, like I was. And as I always say um, in, in these conclusions, I have a lot of notes. Um, And this one, the word that just pops out on both sides of the sheet of paper I wrote on is the gospel. What is the gospel? It's Christ and Christ crucified. And just what that means to live that out, whether it's as a missionary with youth with a mission or a football coach in the San Antonio area or wherever you are today, that's what God is calling us to do. And and that the gospel is, is for everybody. It's not just for the non-believers, for the believer as well. Um, the encouragement that I took was to, was to be vulnerable. He said um, that as a coach, he needs to be vulnerable with kids. He needs to show that he's not perfect, to show flaws, remove any mask. And I think that's the same for you and me, whether you're a coach, a student athlete, or in business, or at home as a husband or wife, or son or daughter. We need to always be be vulnerable. Be who God designed us to be and just remove 
any mask that we have, and that's how the gospel advances. And that's part of being bold, is being who God designed you and me to be. And I love um, the last question we talked about was, what does it mean to be all in? It means to understand, number one, that I need Jesus. I need Jesus every moment of every day. And I need to live my life fully trusting in Him every moment of every day. Not just in the good times, but every step I take, every breath I take every day, I need to live that fully trusting in God and in His plan and understanding that when I do that, He's all I need. He is sufficient. So I'm going to ask you to share this episode with somebody. I know there's somebody that needs to be encouraged today to fully trust in Him, to to understand that Jesus is all-sufficient, is all that you and I need. Share it with a family member. Share it with a friend. Um, And also, if this episode encouraged you like it did me, go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. The more five-star reviews we get, the greater the platform to continue sharing stories like this with others, to continue sharing the gospel and shining the light of Jesus through media. We love to hear from you. Go to All In Sports Outreach on Facebook or go to our website, www.allinsportsoutreach.org. Send us a message. Find out who we are, why we do what we do, what we do. Um, You can see opportunities to pray for us, to serve with us, and to give. And if you're not a regular subscriber to this podcast, I'd kindly ask you just to click the word subscribe and you'll have access to all the previous 72 episodes and then all the future episodes will automatically pop up in whatever app that you use to, to listen to podcasts. Thank you for your constant support, encouragement. Thank you for listening. But most of all, thank you for your prayers.